So for those of you who aren't aware, Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, created the education system as you now know it. Rockefeller founded something called the General Education Board and ended up heavily investing over $129 million. Well, from the time you're in kindergarten, you're put in education for eight hours a day. Oh, sounds a lot like the eight hour work week. In fact, it's exactly the same, nine to five, Monday to Friday. So they're training you from the time you're an infant to be a cog in this system, which is why we've combined the workforce with the education system. One is just the training wheels for the other, right? And I want you to think about what it will feel like to know that you lived through one of the most pivotal times in human history with that with so much at stake and you weren't a force for good greetings everyone and welcome back to the rabbit hole episode number three Last week, we started off in a sort of three-part series we're going to be doing on describing the history and the makeup of the Matrix, as we call it, that we're discussing on this show itself. The Matrix being the systems that enslave us unconsciously without our awareness of them that we have to collectively start becoming aware of if we're going to transcend them and create a better world for ourselves. So last week we did part one of that. If you haven't seen that episode yet, definitely pause this video and go watch that on Jeremy's channel, History of the Matrix Part One. We talked about some of the basic systems of you know food, energy, water, shelter, the more obvious systems that uh, have been weaponized as a form of enslavement on humanity. This week we're going part two a little deeper into the next three systems, four, five, and six on our list that we've created and giving you a better idea and a more holistic picture of how these systems have evolved into what they are today. And then we'll be doing a part three on this mini series as well next week. So uh, I'm really excited for this today, Jeremy, and, and ready to get into it with you. Quick little recap. We're going to get right into it. Uh, but before we do, we just want to kind of outline the nine main systems that we're going over in totality in this subseries. So we have our food, air, water, shelter, and energy, which is kind of our basic needs and survival systems. We've got media, movies, culture, and Hollywood, which is our news and entertainment system. And we've got money supply and banking, which is our monetary system. Those three are what we went over in part one. So if you haven't seen that already, definitely check that out. Then today we're going to be getting into standardized education, which is kind of our workforce job and education systems and institutionalized healthcare, which is our health system, sick care system, however you want to refer to it. And then uh, the third part we're going to get into today is churches, uh, religious books, the word of God, etc. That's kind of our spiritual or religious systems that we have. And then in uh, part three, We'll also be getting into the political system, the legal system, and the prison system. So without further ado, we're going to pick right up where we left off. We will be diving a bit into standardized education. I'm going to lay some groundwork, and then um, Aaron's going to drop some, 
some wisdom as well. So I kind of titled this the workforce and job system, um, but it's also extremely connected to education. And so what I want to convey here is just how interconnected what we now refer to as our college, college experience is, and the college education system in general, how interconnected that is to feeding this notion of a nine to five and a workforce. All these metrics around employment, we need to keep our populace employed and all of this stuff, right? Trading your time for money. So let's get into some, some history here. So for those of you who aren't aware, Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, created the education system as you now know it. And I'm going to be kind of outlining why and how he pulled this off and so that you can understand. And then, um, like I mentioned in last episode, we'll, we'll have some resources in the description that you can check out and we'll also be putting some stuff on the screen. So first things first, Rockefeller founded something called the general education board and ended up heavily investing over 129 million. Now I want you to understand that this was at a time when 129 million was at least worth a billion. So that is an insane amount of money. This was in the thirties, right? Yes. Um, so he founded the general education board, made a lot of investments, funding lob. It's kind of the modern day equivalent of lobbying. Um, into shaping what is now the college and general education system. So many of you probably know Rockefeller as like this business tycoon, or maybe like some of you might know him as like an oil titan. But what he actually did was provide immense amounts of capital to influence key societal systems, such as oil and gas, so that would be the energy system, the workforce, and he did that via the Industrial Revolution, which I'll get into, education, and the whole purpose of him infiltrating education was to indoctrinate mass amounts of workers for his factories that I just referenced. Healthcare, where he ran these crazy campaigns we'll get into, basically around propaganda to discredit holistic forms of medicine and replace them with Western medicine and ultimately the monetary system itself, because he also had his hands in the Federal Reserve. So I want you to wrap your head around <laughs> the aggregation of power from one man is once again, worth studying. I'll just say that their family managed to infiltrate energy, the workforce, the education force, healthcare, and then ultimately the monetary system itself. So in order for uh, Rockefeller's investments into revolutionizing the oil and transport industry to pan out in a big way, which it's important that people understand, he owned a company called the Standard Oil Company. And so his one of his big objectives was making sure that his investments in his oil company and basically taking over the oil space were extremely successful. And in order for them to pan out in the way that he wanted and needed them to pan out, he needed to make sure to indoctrinate everyone into believing the things that he wanted them to believe. 
And this man was extremely skilled in propaganda and understanding human nature. So here's how he went about this. He hired people like Frederick T. Gates, which um, we've we've talked a bit about uh, when I had Brett Pike on here. Um, you guys should definitely check out that episode if you're interested in learning more about the Rockefeller story. But what I wanted to reference here is um, he also had Ivy Lee. And I don't know if you've ever um, come across this, Aaron, but he basically Rockefeller hired this guy who's referred to as the father of modern public relations. And this dude advised Nazi Germany during World War II. So the same campaigns <laughs> put together to convince the masses that what Hitler was wanting them to do was something they should get on board with. And you can imagine the level of skill needed to convince people of such atrocities. Rockefeller hired the same dude and his name was Ivy Lee. And he hired him specifically to create and execute masterful propaganda campaigns surrounding everything from his adopting oil over coal. Um, and that was a big thing of like what was going on at the time is with standard oil company, he was needing people to adopt oil, not coal. And that was revolutionary at the time. He also needed them to adopt this concept of a job which was new. There were, there weren't, there wasn't a concept of, you know, like having long-term jobs, trading your time for money. It didn't exist before in this way. And then a big third piece of this was his newly created kind of education system and curriculum that they were uh, starting to infiltrate, which you just kind of touched on as well. So he brings in experts in propaganda, gives them a shitload of money, gets his, um, some of his relatives that you mentioned on the board and basically starts uh, pumping money into hitting it from different angles, right? So you have inside, you have inside people who are actually sitting on the board, and then you have propaganda pieces running, and basically you're doing lobbying to hit it from all angles. And so this is actually where repetition and memorization based education was created. It didn't exist before, not much before this time. And now where we're at in 2023, we're really seeing the kind of hundred year effects because we're literally almost a hundred years. It's been almost exactly a hundred years and we're seeing the effects that this has had. And here's kind of the, uh, here's the scary part about teaching people that education is synonymous with memorization. If you can convince people that learning is synonymous with memorization, then all you have to do now is control what the supposed facts or history is that they're taught. And now you've basically managed to catch most people in a matrix that they can't see outside of. You know, it's kind of like this notion of when you're dealing with people that are too intellectual for their own good, right? They went to all the best schools. They have a master's or like uh, you talk... I mean, a good, a perfect example is like, um, I don't know if you've ever done this, but, um, if you try to talk to lawyers about some of the stuff that we speak on, they're like, oh, that's blasphemous. That's not how it works. And it's like, well, well, how do you know? And they're like, memorization is how they know. Cause they didn't teach me that in school yeah. growing up. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, who created your curriculum? Right. <laughs> when we talked about this in our last episode, Jeremy, about, um, 
not fearing the matrix and making them such a huge enemy. Mm -hmm. The most powerful matrix is the one you don't see and don't have a clue exists, right? So just the fact that we're so aware of these systems now and so aware of these powers, the balance of powers and all the corruption, the fact that we're so aware of it means it's not all powerful, right? means we're gaining power over it by being aware of it. So like we're on a great path that we're seeing this stuff, but you know, the education system is, has been one of those matrix matrices that we haven't recognized until very recently with a lot of the um, body dysmorphia, gender dysmorphia, indoctrination happening in school has woken us up to the fact that, wow, even our education system has been weaponized against us by power structures to control us, enslave us, and create more power for themselves. And we see this in, you know, like why, in what person's mind, in what rationally thinking person's mind, would anyone think that it's a good idea to try and get kids to learn for eight hours a day, every single day, five days a week, like as if children even want to learn that much, have the attention span to, or the ability to, it should be obvious that the most we should be trying to educate children is like one or two hours a day. And then we should let them play and explore and be kids, right? Well, from the time you're in kindergarten, you're put in education for eight hours a day. Huh, sounds a lot like the eight hour work week. In fact, it's exactly the same nine to five, Monday to Friday. So they're training you from the time you're an infant to be a cog in this system, which is why we've combined the workforce with the education system, one is just the training wheels for the other, right? Yes, exactly. And that's beautifully laid out. And it's everything from like how there's, it's very structured, right? Like schools use like a bell system. So like the bells ring every hour to let you know that now you're allowed to go to your next class and you're, you're told when, when you're allowed to eat lunch and you're told when you can go to the bathroom or not. And it's all a form of programming you into following authority into not questioning authority. And if you're not a good little student or like a good little worker, then you get put in jail, right? You go to detention if you don't pay attention in school. And if you don't, if you do something wrong in the workforce world, you go to prison for it, right? It's like just a little miniature version of the adult world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's very much priming you. And it's important for people to realize that like the government didn't create this. (laughs) Education is like a government-based, um, you know, government-based, government kind of run system, but it once again was kind of infiltrated and money goes a long way. And then you can also plant people and run campaigns. And we're now in a situation where like the Rockefeller dynasty for the most part is like long gone, but we're still using it. And most people are because of that fragmentation of power we talked about, like, most people have no clue whether they're on like at a high up school board level or like they're just an everyday teacher. Like they don't understand what they're actually doing. The general board of education, what's important for you guys to understand about that is that that is the board that decided what went in the textbooks. <laughs> so I want you to think about that. If you can decide not only the actual structure of like, okay, they're going to be in sitting for eight hours a day and they're going to learn this, not this. And they're going to learn, they're not going to learn critical thinking. They're not going to learn philosophy. They're not going to learn money. They're going to learn certain, how to do certain skills. They're going to learn how to read. They're going to learn how to regurgitate, et cetera, et cetera. If you can dictate that, 
And then you also dictate what's inside of the books. So what is what history are they learning? What version of history? What version exactly? You can start to pin together like, okay, this is obviously there are ulterior motives here. And so that's why I wanted to bring up like John D. Rockefeller's background and understanding that like, if you understand the amount of people that he employed or needed to employ for his efforts to be successful, he needed a standardized workforce. He needed mass amounts of people to do what he needed them to do, not question it and be consistent workers. So he literally almost single-handedly created this notion of the education system just to feed his own efforts of all the moves he was making over here in business. He needed a workforce and that didn't exist in a sense. He needed to create the demand for it. So that's kind of how I view this stuff. And we have this crazy, you know, Frederick T. Gates quote, which I don't know if you've ever heard Aaron, but it's basically like, we don't want a nation of like scientists. We don't want thinkers. We want men who are perfectly docile to what we want them to do and think. Yep. And, and then we have this famous Rockefeller quote that just says, I don't want a nation of thinkers. I want a nation of workers. Mm -hmm. So these campaigns ended up being extremely effective to the point where today the concept of a nine to five, like us even talking about this is probably triggering for a percentage of you. Like mm -hmm. how dare you question this or say this? And it's like study history. All we're referencing is facts here. One family created this notion over a hundred years ago, roughly a hundred years ago. And it is still unquestioned to this day. And some other mm -hmm. things that were created around this time that were bundled in there was the notion of social security, paying into this thing until you retire, getting benefits, your employer providing benefits for you. All of that was worked in by Rockefeller to once again incentivize because he needed to create demand. How do you get people on board? People love free shit, free shit. Mm -hmm. So nothing's free, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so the way that our public schooling and college operate and what they teach on every single area, all the areas I named was literally funded and shaped by John D Rockefeller. So to kind of wrap this section up, I just, I want you guys to ask yourself whose game are you playing before you go to like, it doesn't matter what kind of side you think you're on or where your stances are on this. It's always good to ask yourself, whose game am I playing? Who benefits? Exactly. So just this notion of whose game are you playing? How old is this concept of a job? How did the nine to five come about? And then who actually created and funded standard education and what the purpose of it was? It was never intended to create intellectuals. To educate you. <laughs> it wasn't like the main, one of the main tenets of actual, actual education is learning how to, number one, freely think, and number two, critically think. And right. those things are radically demonized. You get punished for critically our, thinking. Yeah, you literally will get kicked out if you say certain things at certain universities now. Like certain, what I would say, facts. Yeah. <laughs> At certain universities, you will be removed for critically thinking and not succumbing to groupthink and regurgitation. And it's why we're seeing the rise of people like Jordan Peterson, Brett Weinstein, 
these teachers who were basically removed from tenure, almost assaulted by students, kicked out of their universities for literally using their brain. Stating objective facts, like there's objective just two facts. biological genders. Yes. You can't, you can't say that here because our narrative says otherwise. That's because the, the public education system doesn't teach you how to think. They just teach you what, what to, think. to think. You know, that part. You need yeah. to you need to eat fish to live. That's what to think. What do I know how to fish? Have you taught me how to get a fish so I can survive? No. Right. So you haven't really helped me, right? Right. Yep. It's that sleight of hand. So uh, for our next section, we're going to be transitioning into healthcare, and once again. It's important that we are able to piece together the connection, the very close connection from healthcare to the workforce to the education system. These are very connected because once again, Rockefeller pretty much single-handedly created the Western medicine that we now know today. So let's get into some, some basic facts here. Up until 1910, medicine was practiced in a very decentralized way. It's just like all of these other systems. So if you're sensing some themes, the world changed an astronomical amount in the 1910s and the 1920s. During this, these few decades, I'd really just say like probably 1905 to 1915 or to 1915, if we had to pin it down, there was a revolution unlike we had ever seen in the world. And mm -hmm. amidst times of massive innovation and disruption, so much is happening so fast. There's, there's an introduction of so much complexity that it produces an opportunity for a select few who handle chaos and complexity well. Obviously, you also have to have money, power, ability. But that's really how I view this stuff. And we're really at the tail end of this as it's been a little bit over 100 years now. So once again, medicine had been decentralized up until this time, 1910. Then we have the Flexner Report. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, Aaron, but the Flexner Report basically illustrates what I'm about to explain. So Rockefeller funded this report. And it, what, basically what it did is it took decentralized, more natural, holistic medicine, and it created the first ever medical education system. So up until this time, there wasn't, there was medicine, but there wasn't a curriculum for medicine. Does that make sense? Like uh, the standardization of it. In a short period of time, all of a sudden, we now have a, a set curriculum of here is what works here is what doesn't work here is what's true here is what isn't true and this brought about the first new model of centralized medicine and this was pushed by an immense amount of rockefeller funding and he backed propaganda campaigns to discredit things like essential oils uh, natural remedies anything that was more like naturopathic homeopathic etc and that got replaced with the introduction of pharmaceuticals. Here's where we have to ask the best question you can always ask, why? Why did he want to do this? Remember when we were talking about Rockefeller being an oil titan? Let me ask you, Aaron, we'll see, if, we'll see what you think. What related to medicine 
requires petroleum to produce? Related to medicine requires petroleum to produce. I'm not sure I know. Pharmaceuticals. Okay. So just like that, we have the birth of a $1.5 trillion industry. This man is playing some high level chess. <laughs> <laughs> so he's already taken over education. He's got his hands in the Fed and the, the literal money supply now, banking and all that. He's interjecting himself in healthcare and he's already established himself like oil alone. That alone yeah. is like, you know, billionaire status. So, and the education system. Right. And the education, then we got healthcare, et cetera. So, why does he want his hands in the uh, healthcare? Why did he go through all this trouble to, you know, promote certain propaganda messages and really make sure that um, a transition to Western medicine got passed and that there was a demonization heavy of anything natural, holistic that we're now seeing a reemergence of, right? But it took about a hundred years. Um, reason being, he was positioned to benefit massively from that because of how he was positioned in the oil industry. So all of a sudden you create a, a booming industry. Like, just think about it. The very premise of holistic medicine is that nature heals you. You can't make money off that. It's preventative health. Yes. You can't make much money off that. I guess you could yeah. create a monopoly on trying to grow it. But other than that, it comes from the ground. God gave it to us. Yeah. With pharma, a little different, right? And we know that now, and everyone probably knows that. Um, I haven't met too many people that are like defend pharma. Uh, yeah. But uh, what people, what a lot of people don't realize is that, yes, it requires petroleum and oil to make the actual pills. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And in some of them, petroleum is required to actually, like it's actually in the mix. So do you do with that? You do with that what you want to do, <laughs> but uh, you're eating, you're eating oil. So no for me, bro. Yeah. So, um, obviously it's like, okay, I guess he wasn't, he didn't feel rich enough. Maybe he was like, um, one of those very small men, like insecurity wise. Um, I don't understand when you're a billionaire by the early 1900 standards, why you need more. Well, that's a great question to look at, right? Yeah. Like we should learn that lesson that you can never have the ego can never have, have enough, enough power. Even if you have the most power of anyone in the world, then all you're thinking about is how to keep it. And it's like, it's like a black hole, right? It will consume you forever until you finally learn to actually get beyond yourself and do good to other people and find a different kind of fulfillment in that. That's the only solution, right? So like we've been saying since episode one, it's, it's easy to point the finger at David Rockefeller and how evil he must've been to do all this. But at the end of the day, a bit of that's in all of us still, unless we've fully healed it. And so all we can do is forgive and move forward right into the light. Yes, sir. So I wanted to kind of just outline this because um, healthcare is obviously a massive system, right? It is inextricably linked to our well-being, right? Um, and Western medicine certainly, um, I'm not intending to uh, demonize Western medicine. There is certainly a time and a place, and it has been an incredible innovation and advancement that we've experienced in the first world that has helped us get get out of a place where certain common diseases and issues and stuff were, were killing us, right? So there are a lot of uses for Western medicine. Really what I'm trying to uh, illuminate here is 
I think more people should look into who funded it and where it came from. And specifically to bring this full circle, because we were just talking about college and education. We now know that in order for anyone to become a nurse or a doctor, they have to go through extensive amounts of schooling, right? Yep. That's part of education. So what I'm trying to demonstrate and convey to you guys, which and encourage you to look into is that let's say you want to go be a lawyer. Rockefeller created what you're going to be taught and trained. Let's say you want to go be a dentist. The Rockefeller family created and funded what you're going to be taught. Let's say you want to go be an ER nurse. The Rockefeller Foundation created what you're going to be taught. And then we wonder why, as a society, we can't even agree on, like, experts in their field can't even agree on basic facts, right? Like with the you-know-what in 2020, yeah. no one can agree just basic shit. Or you go to one dentist and they're like, yeah, we don't use fluoride. It's a neurotoxin. You go to another and they're like, oh, you're one of those hippies. Fluoride's mm -hmm. been safely used for a hundred years. So it's like, this is the problem, right? And so instead of like having the argument, like everyone wants to have the debate at a level of like, what do we need to do in, in terms of like getting on the same page? Why don't we go a little bit deeper than that and understand like, well, where did it come from? And question the actual first principles of the issue with a memorization-based curriculum that can be controlled by those with money. How about that? Simple. If, if there's simple. money, if there's money behind anything, it's going to lend itself towards power and corruption. Because why? Because people want to make money. It's not, this isn't a conspiracy, right? It's just practical, ordinary stuff that we have to accept about the world in which we live. And when I think when you can do that is the reason I like to stress this is because it helps you to truly forgive and yeah. to stop fighting and resisting and just come up with a better world, a better solution. Uh, when we talked about like me working at Google in episode one, and I couldn't even have access to, to most buildings, like the doctors that are prescribing these pills, some of them may know how, how unhealthy they are, but most of them don't. Most of them really believe they're helping their patient. Why? Because they went to a Rockefeller designed school, medical school that taught them that medications are drugs and drugs heal people and nutrition is pseudoscience. They were taught this stuff. So they're just regurgitating what they were taught, thinking that they're doing good. So they're not evil. Your doctor's not evil, but it's really easy to just paint everything with a broad brush. And, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of that from the truther movement of like all Western medicine doctors must be evil because they're working for the system. And it's just way more complicated than that. Yeah. Yeah. The way that we evolve out of this place that we've been in as a society since 2020 is not through grouping and demonizing and othering. Yeah. And othering. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, that's not going to get us anywhere. So that's kind of the whole point and why we're being so nuanced with this of like, look, this is what happened, but also like, it's not probably what you thought and it's not as sinister as you probably thought. And right. a lot of this is just because of human nature and greed and those things repeat themselves. As long as we have lower level drives, they're going to repeat themselves. So now we fast forward to 2023. Even if you don't have any idea about any of the things we've shared with you today, I bet you've observed how the education system, the media system, and the healthcare system are inextricably connected and they work hand in hand with one another. So like, let's just stop and think about it real quick. 
how do you become aware of new pharmaceuticals commercials who runs those commercials and gets paid for them the media companies that we talked about those six families okay and some of those six families are the same families that are selling the healthcare, <laughs> that are selling the pills are, yeah. so it's like uh just double double revenue but before we can get to that we have the education system that's kind of prepping people to believe this way otherwise the pharmaceutical commercials wouldn't work would they Aaron if we were taught the truth about a lot of these side effects trade-offs and how the body is way more complex than pharmaceuticals try to give it credit for right we're just going to treat this symptom and not realize that now you have 19 other issues because you tried to view it in a very myopic lens if we were taught that the media wouldn't be able to market that to us and have it work effectively so right. hopefully you guys can start to kind of see and understand some of you you've probably had this awareness some of you might be like oh i've never thought of that but each of these systems and that's why we kind of are going very macro with this so you guys can see they wouldn't function really well at all without each other they prop of each course. other up the real solutions lie in getting deeper than blaming any one group of people family government or even system because they're all interconnected and that's why i think our conversation keeps kind of coming back to like understanding human nature and such. Yeah. Like we see that similar men in similar circumstances choose similar outcomes, right? They seem to make similar choices. So maybe right. it's not as simple as your spiritual ego wants to believe, or it's just like, I can't believe they would do that. Yeah. As long as you're still blaming someone, you're not really evolving yet or making change yet. I have, I have friends like, I'm sure you do, Jeremy, where it's like that they literally believe that all of these systems are, are, or were orchestrated by a bunch of Satanists at a round table trying to control them. It's like every chemtrail in the sky, everything on TV, like, oh, they're, they're trying to control my brain. And they're living in this state of paranoia. And it's like, what greater demonstration of the power over you the system has <laughs> could that possibly be right yeah it's why they want this fast-paced society that's just watch regurgitating whatever cnn tells you to believe or whatever news network it is because you're not going to slow down enough to actually perceive reality and understand your neighbor and join with people and and create a sense of unity with your common man they don't want you to do that they want you watching Netflix all day and the news and arguing on Twitter, you know, and they've done a great job at creating a society that does that. For sure. A great job. Yeah. Those are great points. I think that's a perfect segue to, um, transitioning to our spiritual and religious systems. We would be, you know, remiss if we didn't dive into a little bit of understanding that throughout the human story, churches spiritual texts you know men who are supposedly anointed etc have used and abused the holy word if you will or religion itself in order to manipulate and control people first off history the word history 
is actually his story, right? And I think that's especially relevant when we get into books like the Bible, where entire books have been taken out. And man, in its flawed nature, in his flawed nature, has interjected his flaws on a holy text, if you will. And that's just one of, of many, many examples where we've had various cultures, we've had various rulers, various societies, where for, for various reasons, they remove different parts of spiritual texts or they interpret them in completely biased ways, like intentionally to control people, or they use the name of God like to justify any behavior, right? And there's like some crazy, there's some crazy stories of like stuff that, that used to go down way back when, like one, one big thing that the church did is they used to not allow people to know how to read and only the priests and clergymen and such. Like, I really want you guys to think about this. So imagine there's this book that is deemed as the book straight from God, but <laughs> you don't know how to read it. It's like squiggles on a page and you, you don't even know how to read at all. And the only people allowed to read are those who are telling you what the book supposedly says. Think about that power dynamic. And that is how religion was carried on for a long time. So, once again, this is not any sort of dig at religion or the Bible. Uh, me and Aaron have spoke pretty in depth on our stances on that, how much truth is found in the Bible, in God's word. It's much more so a story of history and a story of man. It's yet another example where when we centralize power, i.e. within the church, right? If you were a priest 500 years ago, you were the equivalent of like Andrew Tate today. That's probably a bad example. I mean that <laughs> in the sense of popularity. Yeah. You were viewed, Everybody wanted to be you. Yes. I, I sh probably should have used like a celebrity who's not controversial, right? Um, you luck. were Beyonce if 500 years ago you were a priest. And that's fucking crazy. But that was the original like power status grab. Like if you were motivated by like power status, um, validation, et cetera, like controlling things, then you were 100% like from a young age, like I'm going into the church and I'm going to work my way up. Yeah. And now that looks more like maybe you're like, I'm going into banking <laughs> or like I'm getting into politics, but that was the OG. And so yeah. I definitely wanted to tie that in here because that is where we've come from. And once again, if you don't study history, then you don't understand that like churches were infiltrated a long fucking time ago, a long mm -hmm. time ago. And today those churches are a lot more sinister. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think yeah. we, we should get into the Vatican stuff and all that, but basically like it, it at a base level, it's important to understand they were, they were infiltrated a long time ago Yeah, because long before those with money had power, you didn't even need money. You just needed the knowledge and the ability to read when others couldn't read. 
And now you have so much power. Money could never buy you that amount of power today. Yeah. Like, think about it. The, the landscape is a lot more even. There's something called schooling and then the internet. But huh. imagine you were the only one with select information and people were like, literally thought you had like special powers. Of course you put yourself in that situation. Men are flawed. That power is going to be abused and it was abused. And so that's kind of like where we came from in terms of how religious, the religious systems used to be used and some of the issues that we used to have with them. That's a, it's a great analogy for everything else we're talking about, because nobody would, would argue that the church, the Bible, religion, Christianity hasn't been used as a control weapon, right? Nobody, nobody would pretend like that's Hopefully. not the case. Most people in today's world, if not everybody, literally understands that the Bible, religion, the church has been weaponized by institutions of power for thousands of years to control the masses, right? Controlling the masses through enforcing a religion on them, enforced conversions, saying, hey, this book is inerrant and only this one class of people is allowed to read it. It's all obvious to us now. Well, all we're saying is that in the same way that the Bible's not inherently bad, Christianity is not inherently bad. These are all good things, money, education, medicine. These are all good things, but they can be used for evil by people with evil intentions, right? That's all we're saying has happened in every other system we're discussing, right? These are just kind of natural ways that human ego plays itself out in any given system. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that that's important context to understand because uh, we're hopefully you're starting to see some recurring themes as we've you know, we've gone through, um, I believe six of these now, and every time there's some recurring themes here of centralization of power, and there's some recurring themes here of human nature. That's really going to be important when we get to the, uh, third and final episode. And we kind of discuss like bringing it all together and kind of, um, how we see, how we see all this. Cause we don't see this as negative at all. This is just reality. And once we can understand what the mechanisms at play actually are, like centralization raising challenges, human nature raising challenges, then we can be more informed on understanding real solutions. Whereas when we don't understand these things and we kind of go with the black and white group think or surface level research, at that perspective, it seems like a good idea to discuss alternatives such as let's change this political system for this one. Or we need this president yeah. instead of this one. Or <laughs> we should, this religion, stupid, we need this one. And it's like, those are really like surface level, <laughs> shallow band-aid approaches. You're not going deep enough to understand the actual like mechanisms at play here. Like Einstein had the famous quote, um, no problem can be solved from the same level of intelligence that caused the problem. Love that. You can't, yep. you can't solve a corrupt political system with a different politician. You know, the, the nature of the politician itself is the problem. So mm -hmm. it takes some expansive thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to, to wrap up our conversation around the religious systems. So we covered like kind of where we came from and a little bit of uh, general background on how the religious systems have been kind of like weaponized. That's probably not anything um, shocking to hopefully most <laughs> of you. <laughs> um, but here, here's where I want to discuss this kind of um, 
complete switch that we've experienced as a society. And I would love to get your uh, thoughts on this, Aaron. So I was thinking about, you know, where we came from, where things are now, as I've tried to do in each section. And my personal opinion on this kind of topic of religious and spiritual systems is that they've actually been distorted and tainted to the point where now the pendulum has swung to the other side where many people have just completely lost faith and become cynical. Like I said earlier, they just right. kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater because, you know, priests are pedophiles and, you know, people at my church are hypocrites. So just screw God. Mm -hmm. And when we look around and I'll just reference America here because I'm American, there is little respect for God anymore anywhere in America. Yeah. And many other first world countries like Canada and stuff like that, as you see more like communistic and globalistic ideas taking over. If we think about the past, religion and God was like, if anything, you were getting beheaded if you said you didn't believe in God. Oh, yeah. And now you, if That's you say... That's a quick trip to the guillotine back yeah, then. And if you say like Pledge of Allegiance and you say the word God now, like, oh, whoa, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. And... So now, because in the past, religion and God was used as a means to control people, the opposite seems to be occurring today, where there's now a war on God, and it's being taken out of everything. So yeah. I, kind of my last point here, and then I'll be curious to hear your observations on this, is like right now, I think, and that's kind of why I brought up like the Tate thing, I think it's a great example, we're seeing kind of like a war on masculinity go down. And the only way Tate, yes, he's genius with the marketing and stuff, but the only way he blows up to the level that he's blown up to is because his message is resonating with so many people. Now, right. is he extremely egotistic and does a lot of questionable things? Absolutely. I'm, for the record, once again, not uh, defending or not defending. This is just, I'm just speaking on my observations. Uh, we should be able to do that in 2023. <laughs> If there wasn't such an issue on the topic of masculinity in the last, let's say, five to 10 years, when a savior came about and started pushing a message of like, you're being controlled, it's very necessary to be the man that you were born, that message wouldn't have taken off in that same way. And another, other examples, we're seeing kind of an outright agenda to squash the concept of a gender. Mm -hmm. Agenda to squash gender. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> funny. And then at the same time, we're seeing the use of war against the use of God in our systems. When just 100 years ago or less, it was the opposite. Like, you didn't have to be a good person. Everyone said they believed in God. And went mm -hmm. to church like you could have just killed someone on Saturday and you're in church on Sunday because that was just what the nation was founded on. It was a it was more about principle and less about like I'm a good person, which is a whole other podcast we could do <laughs> because it was much more of like a group think a community thing like an ideological thing of like, I'm American, we're a godly nation. So we, you know, we have God in our pledge of allegiance and we go to church. That was like, kind of like our parents era and our grandparents era. But then now 
it's the exact opposite. Certain powerful people that were really benefiting from using religion to control others realized that so many people had kind of like woken up to it and it wasn't working very well anymore that they realized they no longer had much use for it. So they changed their agenda and mm. repositioned themselves. So now the agenda, and this is just based on observations. I don't have like a name or a family or a government to point to. Once again, it's not about that. But if we just track agendas, you just follow the money. And there's some agenda now to remove God entirely before people realize the actual potential of living God's word. Mm -hmm. My my seeing of this has changed a lot since I've understood law. Yeah. Uh, let's take God out of the school system com public conversation, because as we talked about in our first episode, God's law is the only law. You could call it universal law, natural law. Christians call it God's law. It doesn't matter. We're talking about the same thing. This is the law the Bible teaches, and that if you truly follow what the Bible what the Bible is saying, the teachings being put forward, you're going to live according to this natural universal law. And that, again, that law does not incentivize centralization of power and corruption. It incentivizes freedom for all and unity, right? Sovereignty. So they don't want you to follow that law system. So they have to do what? Demonize where it comes from, which is from God or the Bible or that whole umbrella. So now that they have to make that the taboo thing, and as soon as that happens, now we we can have these kind of distortions in the collective that we're seeing today, where it's like, like we're probably all living in the most collectively insane time in human history in terms of like, yeah, super insane things were happening in the medieval times, of course, but like there wasn't the internet where we could broadcast that insanity all around the world and people from other sides of the globe could get infected with that way of thinking from the comfort of their home and it could spread so much faster, right? Yeah, yeah. In many ways, we're living in this pinnacle of insanity. Ultimately, when you stray away from the foundation of truth, then any matter of distortion becomes possible. And you know, now there's people living with, with extreme mental issues and sickness and those people are being glorified in the public eye as uh, something to be celebrated or even to strive for to be like that. And so it's something we won't appreciate fully until we're looking back, you know, 30 years from now on this time period and hopefully saying, <laughs> wow, can you believe the kinds of things in the public discourse back then that men are women and women are men and men can get pregnant and all the stuff we hear today? It's a very short and rare time period I think we're living through. Yeah. And it is, like you said, it's a manifestation of that pendulum swing that inevitably happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think um, this thread is uh, very, very meaningful to me, as I can tell it is to you. And I believe that that's why we're both here at this time, um, putting out what we're putting out and serving in the way that we're serving. Gotta because be. one thing is for sure, when I'm laying on my deathbed, I do not want it to be at all questionable about which side I was on and uh, yeah. whether or not I um, spoke what I knew to be true uh, during a time when most were too afraid to. And so, yeah. you know, we get a lot of, con I don't know, I don't know if you've looked at the comments, but I haven't looked in quite a while, but when we did our first video and, you know, I have some people DM me and stuff and repeatedly get some comments like, man, you're so brave for putting this out there. Like, <laughs> don't they come after you? And I'm just like, first off, who's they? 
you're, you're doing the thing yeah. we keep talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's the government. And then second off, it's like, I feel like a lot of empathy for people where like they're willing to sacrifice their soul and their consciousness because to them, like fear rules. And right. it's like, try to put yourself on your deathbed right now in a visualization exercise. And I want you to think about what it will feel like to know that you lived through one of the most pivotal times in human history with that, with so much at stake for the future of our race and you weren't a force for good to me that's probably my greatest fear like nothing no. what tops that level of regret yeah well that's what people say on their deathbeds right in the studies that i've seen they say yep. like 75 percent of people regret the things they didn't do not the things they did 100 percent like if you stand up for truth, that's, you can check that off the list. That's not going to be something you regret on your deathbed. Yeah. But you yeah. will regret the cowardice, the, the kowtowing, the, the giving into fear and the placating yourself. Um, those are things that have eternal value to them. Absolutely. All right, guys, that's a beautiful segue for us to wrap up our part two. This one is uh, a bit shorter, just we're sitting right around an hour, which is perfect. Um, we didn't want to make these too long. We really hope you guys got a lot out of this. I feel like the transition from episode one to episode two um, flowed uh, very smoothly, kind of built on itself. And in our final episode, you're going to definitely want to make sure to tap into our third episode. We're going to be going into the final three systems, of course. But we're also going to, going to be giving you kind of like the culmination of uh, where we're going with all of this, how we see things, and um, much more of a, a solution-based, empowering focus. So if you've tuned in thus far, definitely make sure to catch our next episode in which we will wrap this conversation up in regards to how the Matrix itself is kind of orchestrated and how it was created so thank yeah. you guys so much for your time and attention uh anything you wanted to say Aaron? yeah just wanted to add a quick reminder that we are rotating every episode of this series on one another's channels so this week was on my channel next week's episode will be on jeremy's channel so stay tuned for that and make sure to subscribe if you haven't already and uh yeah thanks for joining us today and we'll see you next week peace and love everyone thank you